0: This morning, we're going to take a look at a story in Acts that shows us two types of people, one who is blind and the other who God uses to open the eyes of the blind. As we look at this passage, I want you to think about which of these two characters you might be in the story. Are you the one who needs to see God or are you the one God is sending to open the eyes of the blind? Let's read from Acts chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Imagine this scenario with me. The gospel is spreading like wildfire, At the name of Jesus, people are getting healed, evil spirits are cast out, and countless people are getting saved day after day. When people hear the good news of Jesus Christ, many respond joyfully in their hearts and choose to follow after him. But others respond with anger and contempt. Others, like Saul. How could a man who died a criminal's death by crucifixion, be the Messiah. The very thought was so scandalous that it angered devout Jews like Saul. Saul was a Jewish zealot, a Pharisee, who believed that this small sect rising out of Judaism claiming that Jesus was the Messiah were committing heresy. He was so convinced that these former Jews had lost their way that he was bent on snuffing out the Jesus movement Before it went out of control, Saul first appears in Acts chapter 7 at the stoning of Stephen. He approves that. And the death of Stephen marked the beginning of the great persecution in Jerusalem, which scattered believers all across Judea and Samaria. But wherever Christians were scattered, the gospel spread, and more and more people were getting saved. Saul quickly became the enemy of the early church and went from house to house, dragging off men and women who were followers of the way, a name given to the early Christians. Now at the time, typical crackdowns only targeted men. And the fact that Saul imprisoned women as well as men reveals just how merciless he was and how devoted he was to his mission. He even received letters from the high priests so that he would have the full cooperation of the synagogues in Damascus. Saul was a man on a mission, but sadly, he was misdirected. He thought that he was fighting for God and doing what was right in his eyes, but in reality, he opposed God as an enemy. Do you know of anyone like that? Someone who thinks that they know what they're doing, but is completely misdirected and misinformed? Someone who suffers from spiritual blindness. While we may not experience the kind of persecution the early church faced living here in America, we may know people who are hostile towards God and Christianity. Like Saul, there might be people in our midst who are extremely difficult to reach for Christ. Personally, I find that it's typically the ones closest to us who are often the most challenging to witness to. And perhaps it's because we're so familiar with who they are, how they think and how they act, that it seems almost impossible for them to ever change. But the Bible shows us time and time again that nothing is impossible for God, for He alone can soften even the hardest of hearts. Let's see what happens in verses 3 to 9 when God intervenes. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Every time I see the word suddenly in the Bible, I get excited because it marks a shift or a turning point. The suddenlies of God change the trajectory of one's life or outcome. And that is precisely what we see here in verse 3. And suddenly, a light from heaven shone around him. Now, throughout scripture, light is often used to symbolize God's presence or holiness. In John 8, verse 13, Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world, and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. On the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to Saul as a brilliant light, brighter than the sun that knocks him to the ground. Saul was an enemy of the church, and yet Jesus came and revealed who he was to him. Now that is a picture of God's infinite grace and mercy. Jesus was indeed the good shepherd Who left the 99 to go after the one, the one who despised him, rejected him, and viciously attacked those who called upon his name? It shows us that God's love for Saul was greater and even more relentless than Saul's hatred of him. After this powerful encounter with Jesus, Saul was unable to see for three days, and in some ways, his physical blindness was a reflection of his spiritual blindness when he failed to see Jesus as the Messiah. Saul, the once powerful enemy of the church, was now weak and vulnerable, relying on his companions to lead him to Damascus. Verse nine tells us that he neither ate nor drank for three days. Now I just wanna take a moment here and highlight the significance of that three-day period. Paul had to wait for three days before his sight was restored. Throughout the Bible, the period of three days often symbolized transition from death to life. Do you all remember the story of Jonah? He was that prophet that God sent who disobeyed his command to go to Nineveh and instead fled for Tarshish? Well, if you remember that story, Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, praying a prayer of repentance. It was during this three-day period inside the belly of the fish where Jonah transitioned from death to life. Similarly, like Jonah, Saul too is immersed in darkness, fasting and praying for three days as he transitioned from death to life. The period of three days in the story of Jonah and in Saul's conversion is parallel to Jesus's three-day transition on the cross. Jesus's journey from death to life was what made it possible for a sinner like Saul to receive God's forgiveness and become a brand new creation. God sovereignly saved Saul and changed the trajectory of his life and mission. But the rest of the world didn't know this yet. In fact, news had already spread among the Christians in Damascus that Saul and his men were on their way. I can imagine them being terrified and probably in hiding out of fear that they too would be captured, imprisoned, and even executed. Let's read what happens to one of these disciples in verses 10 to 15. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now I find it interesting that scripture tells us that the blind Saul was staying on a street called Straight. It's kind of a random fact to share, the name of a street, right? But listen to these words that God spoke to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 42, verse 16. And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. By God's grace, Saul was transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And as soon as he regained his sight, he was baptized and immediately began to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Although God could have simply opened Saul's eyes on his own, just like he appeared before him on the road to Damascus, this time he invited one of his disciples to participate in his work of salvation. What would you do if you were Ananias and if God was calling you to a Saul, someone who was difficult and challenging to reach? What if God wanted to use you to open the eyes of the spiritually blind? One night I had a dream, and in the dream it was in the middle of the night and I was in a dark house with no lights. I heard the voice of someone crying, and so I followed the sound, and it led me to a room where there was a young woman who I recognized from my old church sitting alone in the dark. I didn't know her very well. She faithfully came to church week after week, but was somewhat of an outcast. You see, she had a mental condition that made it very difficult for her to connect with people. At the time I had the dream, she had stopped coming to church for about a month. And in the dream, I asked her what was wrong, and she tearfully said that no one cared for her. Well, I took her in my arms, looked at her in the eyes, and I said, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. But suddenly, this dark figure came over her and began to physically attack me. I was so terrified that I ran out of the house and into the street. Now when I woke up from that dream, this was the first thought that came to my mind. That girl is crazy. (laughs) I am so relieved that I didn't know her. Yeah, that's how Christ-like I was back in the day. (laughs) I dismissed that dream as a terrible nightmare and I tried to put it behind me. But three days later, I was visiting a friend's church and in the middle of the worship service, out of nowhere, the pastor announced, I sense that God wants me to pray for every single person in this room, so please line up for prayer. It was very unusual, but we stopped what we were doing and lined up to receive prayer. Now, as I was waiting my turn, I expected the pastor to pray a very simple prayer of blessing, but was surprised when I heard these words, I have a message for you from God. Now, that's something you don't hear every day, right? (laughs) A message, what? I thought things like that only happened in the Bible. I was very intrigued by what the pastor had to say next. There's something that God wants you to do. And he says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Now as I went home, I kept pondering about what the pastor said, and the more I thought about it, the more I kept thinking back to the dream I had, and I realized that God wanted me to reach out to that young woman who had stopped coming to church. Now this was something way beyond my comfort zone at the time, so I was wrestling with God for a few days but I mustered up the courage to finally give her a call. The phone rang a couple times, but she didn't answer. And so I hung up, I told God, there God, I did what you said, I gave her a call, I'm done. (laughs) But even after I said those words, I didn't feel completely settled in my heart, and so a few days later, I tried again. But again, there was no answer. For the next several weeks, I kept calling and calling and left messages, but she never returned any of my calls. I had no idea where she was or what she was going through at the time, and so I began to pray. And it was the first time that I ever felt a burden to pray for someone that I didn't know personally. My heart felt so heavy as I felt God's love and compassion for this young woman for the next three months. And after praying for three months, suddenly, this young woman walked into church as if nothing had happened. And I ran up to her and I said, where have you been? I have been reaching, trying to reach you for the last three months. And she explained that she was hospitalized because her condition had gotten so severe. In fact, the time I had the dream was when her hallucinations were at its peak and she was not allowed to leave. No one visited her while she was hospitalized, not a single friend or a family member. Only one person came to see her, a Christian nurse who happened to work on the floor she was at, who came to her bedside every night to pray. And it was at that moment I realized just how much God loved this young woman that he would go out of his way to give me someone who had no connections with her a dream about her, and then confirm that dream through a pastor while divinely orchestrating a Christian nurse to care for her and pray by her bedside. After months of receiving treatment, her condition stabilized, and she was finally able to return home. I saw this as a second chance and began to share about the love of Jesus Christ. As I got to know her, I learned that she had experienced tremendous hardship in her life, including trauma and addiction. By the time she was 21 years old, she received a mental illness diagnosis and lost all of her friends. With every conversation we had, she would reveal something dark about her past, and I would remind her, it doesn't matter what you've gone through because Jesus loves you. Initially, when I told her that God loved her, she had a blank face. didn't show any kind of reaction. But after some time had passed, I said to her one day, Jesus loves you. And a tear came from her eye. Not long after that, she gave her life to Christ. When I think back to that time, I am amazed by God's pursuit of this one person who was lost, cut off from community, and living in total darkness. What this tells me that what happened to Saul in Acts 9 is still happening today. Jesus is literally stepping into the most devastating, hopeless situations and changing the tra- trajectory of one's life. The suddenlies of God are still taking place, and people who seem so far beyond hope are encountering Christ as the lover of their souls. In the beginning of my message, I asked you, which of these two characters you identify with the most? Are you the one who needs to see God today? Or are you the one who God is sending to open the eyes of the blind? At one point, we were all like Saul. We've all rebelled against God in our sin. We were spiritually blind until God used someone or something to open our eyes. Now, there might be some of us in this room today who may feel like Saul. Outwardly, we may not be attacking God or his people, but inwardly, we might be rebelling against him. If that's you, I just want to remind you today that Jesus came for you. You're the one he sees, and you're the one he wants regardless of what you've gone through. If that's you, I want to encourage you today to open your heart to Jesus. For he alone has the power to heal you and set you free from sin and darkness. For others of us, God might be highlighting a soul in our lives. Last week, Ted Dinard led us in a prayer and asked God to highlight a person that we could invite to Alpha this fall, that person could be the very Saul that God is chasing after. It could be someone from work, a neighbor, a friend, or even a family member. And in the same way that he prepared the way for Ananias, the Holy Spirit could be preparing the heart of the person that he wants you to reach at this very moment. So if a specific person is coming to your mind, I pray that the Holy Spirit would impart his boldness, courage, and love in the same way he did for Ananias when he went to Saul. May the eyes of our heart be enlightened to see Jesus, and may we be filled with his presence and love to go after the ones in darkness, bringing them into his marvelous light. Amen.